From Studio Nowhere, it's time for... Saga USA. Welcome to another edition of Soccer Talk USA. I'm your host, Mark Cedar. This is episode number 294 for the 6th of June, 2011. And uh, an interesting show for you tonight. We're going to talk about uh, a number of different things. We've got, uh, well, I'll talk a little about the FIFA stuff. We've got the, uh, I saw an international friendly from a few years ago that I'll talk about. And uh, obviously we had the... USA Spain game and Euro qualifying, 2012 qualifying for England, and of course some MLS stuff. So let's dive right in and talk about stuff. Now, I haven't talked a lot about the uh, FIFA mess, uh, but I've been following it a little bit. Uh, normally I kind of stay away from this kind of stuff, and I, and I, yeah, I, there's a number of reasons for it. For one thing, the information that we get is just so confusing, basically, that, um, I, I tend to think that we're never quite sure what we're actually being told, and I've, I've even, even some of the news reports that I've seen about this, I've been watching a little bit about it, and they're they're saying, you know, who knows what's really going on behind the scenes, you know. But if you haven't been paying too much attention, the, the bottom line is just there's more scandals coming out about the uh, payola being paid and and bribery and corruption and all kinds of stuff in FIFA, and it's it's. Uh, it kind of all came to a head. There was there was uh, a second guy who was running for for presidency against Seth Blatter, and then he, he's a guy from Qatar, I guess, and and was apparently involved in the bribery that got Qatar the World Cup, and so he's pulled out and said he won't run, and then Seth Blatter got elected anyway, uh, running unopposed basically uh, this past week. Uh, but there's still a lot of controversy and. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing is just such a mess. I kind of just kind of, you know, I, in a way, it's kind of like I don't know what this has to do with soccer. It's 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 politics and money and a lot of other kinds of stuff. At the same time, it obviously does come down and affect soccer in a number of different ways. And uh, I really don't like the idea of, um, you know, World Cup bids being being affected, and you know, like a country like Qatar. Getting the World Cup, um, I think that was kind of—it's still kind of a strange thing that they got the World Cup. I think, and and right now they still have it. I mean, it's not like they've—you know—but there's going to be investigations and stuff, and it's quite possible that you know they could lose it. You know, that there could be a change because if they do find proof of corruption that 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 Qatar uh, got the World Cup illegally, you know, they could they could they could lose it. So. Um, not saying I hope that happens or anything like that. I mean, who knows, you know, how this works. But, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation. Um, the other part of the news that probably affects the USA a little bit more is the the, the head of, of FIFA for CONCACAF, which is our region, Jack Warner. Uh, he's been, I remember, you know, many years ago, him, him being, you know, a couple of World Cups ago, he was, he's, he's been in a number of scandals. And, uh, I still could never figure out how come he still stayed in power. Well, apparently now, this time, it's, it's caught up with him enough that he's, he's been, um, suspended from all duties, uh, related to, to, to soccer and, uh, to FIFA. And uh, they're going to do an investigation, so it's nothing permanent yet. 
but I have a feeling it probably will be. But um, but who knows? You know, I just I think I think this corruption stuff and and one interesting aspect of this that I thought was apparently this is Seth Blatter. He's already said this is his last term that he's going to serve this kind of stuff, and and so a lot of people are actually thinking that. Um, that he's actually he, he said that he he wants you know his mission for this last term is going to be to get rid of the corruption and this type of stuff and so there's a number of people who are thinking he might actually do that this time because he doesn't have anything to lose you know in the past there's been talk that he's been corrupted so you know why is he going to get rid of corruption if he's profiting from it but now that he's basically done maybe he actually will you know, step up and do something. So it'll be interesting to see where, where it all goes. I, I don't, uh, you know, follow a huge deal just because this kind of stuff, it's, you know, the information changes constantly and when we're getting rumors and rumors of rumors and rumors of rumors of rumors and who knows what any of it means until they actually have proof of these allegations and different things and, and actually start, you know, punishing people and, 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 and having effect on things. And, then I'll kind of, you know, get a little bit more interested. But uh, I just hope that they do kind of clean it up and, and work at this. and and Because uh, I don't think it's a, a good situation right now. So, um, Well, let's talk about some, some, some recent games and stuff. Obviously, the Gold Cup is starting, so we're entering this weird point of Major League Soccer where half of our, you know, a lot of our top players are, are off of the Gold Cup. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that more as we get into the other stuff, but uh, one interesting thing that that uh, um, happened was was basically during the week, uh, Fox Soccer Channel's been airing a lot of old classic games, and I caught part of the uh, international friendly from September seventh, nineteen ninety four. So quite a few years ago, and this was England versus United States, uh, apparently right after the World Cup, uh, which was that summer in the United States. And so we went over to England, and I think it was at Wembley, Old Wembley, and they, they were saying that there was 38,000 there, which was a little bit lower than normal um, than they expected or something. But you know, for for the English national team, but of course they were playing lowly United States, so I guess that was you know not considered a, a great opponent. Uh, but it was an interesting game. Uh, England won two nil. Uh, which actually was fairly respectable considering, um, you know, the United States was, was in this. I don't think we really, well, we had a few chances. We had a couple dangerous ones. I think, uh, was one really good run by, uh, Kobe Jones up the right wing in the first half. And he got in a really nice cross that, uh, the defender just cleared out just in time. Um, and then we had, we had some chances in the second half too. We got in the box a few times, but not, not, nothing, nothing too much. Uh, Eric Winalda had a shot that was a mile high over the bar. But, uh, but mostly what I thought about this was a couple different things. First of all, it was just fascinating, uh, watching some of these players that were so young. And I never, I, I must have missed this game. I, I, I watched that World Cup, but I must have, I don't know if this was even televised here in the States or not. I, I don't remember this game. But um, it was fascinating to me to watch, uh, you know, the, the, how young the players are. First of all, there was players like Graham Lasseau and uh, really young Alan Shearer. He scored both of the goals for England. And 
uh, I mean, he looked like a teenager. He really looked, you know, really looked young. There's a number of players that like that, and there was a few players on the English team that I didn't even recognize. Uh, some, a couple of them I didn't recognize, you know, looking at them, but I, the name sounded vaguely familiar. Um, but it was it was just fascinating going back, and then of course the U.S. team, I, I recognized most of those. There was a couple there I didn't really uh, recognize um, or remember. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting, but um, but I think I think the, the the most interesting thing about this game to me was was was, was a few different things. First of all, first of all was the obviously sort of biased commentary by the British announcer. Um, he wasn't being, I guess you could say, openly derogatory. But just the way that he was he was talking about things, it was sort of this underlying assumption that, you know, England should win this game four or five nil, and so it was like, why, you know, I mean, he, a number of times he just kept pointing out the difference in class between England and and the USA and things like that, and kept saying, well, you know. This is more like it when they got the two goal lead. You know, this is more like the way the score should be and this type of thing. And, and I don't think he was necessarily trying to be condescending. It just sort of came out that way. And I just thought it was kind of fascinating because it really shows how far the U.S. has come because now when the U.S., even in this game against Spain, you know, the best team in the world, obviously it wasn't our best team, but even against that, you know, it, it's the, there. There is a certain amount of respect for the United States now. I mean, after all, we did beat Spain a few years, you know, a couple of years ago. So, you know, it's not like it's 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 that outrageous that we're you know we're, we're that far down. Um, and uh, and of course, in 1994, it was a big shock that we actually uh, got out of the group in that game. I remember in that World Cup, uh, we were the host and we were considered, widely considered to be, we were going to be the first host of the World Cup that did not advance out of the group. And miraculously, we advanced out of the group and everybody was like, how'd they do that, you know? But they, and they were complimentary in this game, they were complimentary, like for example, when Eric Ronaldo came on in the second half, they mentioned that he had a great free kick goal against Switzerland in the World Cup and things like that. And, you know, they were complimentary, and they were complimentary on a number of different players. Um, I thought it was fascinating to see uh, uh, um, Brad Friedel was in goal. He had hair. He looked really young. He looked skinny. <laughs> and I mean, he just looked so different. And uh, apparently he, it was him and one other U.S. player, I can't remember who it was, that both of them were having trouble getting work permits. They were both supposed to go play for English teams. And couldn't get work permits, and and couldn't get over. I think I think uh, Brad Friedel was supposed to go to uh, Newcastle. I think, but I think he was going to Newcastle. They said he was going to go to Newcastle, but then he couldn't get a work permit, and um, and, and so they were, you know, the commentary commentator was 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 making comments about that, and I thought that was, you know, that was it was really interesting. But mostly, I think this game it was just it was just fascinating to go back in time and and. Uh, and watch some of the, you know, the just the, the classic players and see the the way that those, uh, you know, players like Reyna and, uh, you know, Joe Max Moore and, and a lot of these players that we've forgotten, both on the English team and USA team, 
you know, players that I hadn't thought about in years. And, uh, it was just really interesting. It was really interesting. And, and, uh, England definitely dominated and deserved it. I don't think USA did that much offensively, but, um, but for a friendly and stuff, you know, it was, it was, and, and, and considering the time period and everything, um, you know, not that bad of a result for the USA to only, only, only lose 2-0, you know, when, uh, and the commentator, they, they really thought this should have been a, a much higher score, you know. Speaking of a much higher score, I think the, uh, international friendly on Saturday, USA Spain, um, I just don't quite get the, okay, Spain won this one 4-0. I'm not even going to get into the description of the game because what's the point? Okay, I, I this I just don't understand this the point of this game. When I I almost missed this first of all, um, because uh, I I knew that we had the World Cup. I mean the the Gold Cup coming up on Tuesday, and I had that all scheduled on my DVR. And I think at one time a couple weeks ago I heard something about USA Spain. Or I don't know if I heard it. I don't know. I it didn't really register. And then, and, and then I'm thinking, you know, the timing of this is just so weird. It's, it's coming just days, you know, if it had come like last week, like a week before, I would understand it. It's basically a preparatory game before you go into the World Cup. That would have been great. But to do it like three days before your, your opening game in the Gold Cup, we could not play our best team. We could not wear out Landon Donovan and all these players. Because we need them on Tuesday when we actually play the, the Gold Cup. Because that's a serious tournament for us. We need to win that tournament. And so I, I did, you know, so we basically put out a bunch of, 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 you know, second, third stringers. And, and they got slaughtered. And, and, you know, I, I don't think we played that badly. I don't think that, uh, well, the only area I think we played badly in is the offense. I don't think we did very much offensively at all. And of course our defense sucked. But again, we're playing against Spain, the best team in the world. So I'm not, I, I don't even really consider, I mean, there was a couple cases where I think we made it really easy for Spain. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it's Spain. It's like, you know, they're supposed to make you look like idiots because they're the best team in the world. So, um, especially when we're not playing our, our, our first team lineup, you know, it, it's it's actually pretty impressive that we didn't get beat worse than this. Really, it could have been could have been four or five nil in the first half. I mean, there was a penalty, there was an offside goal that they didn't count that they because they said it was offside and it wasn't, and there was a penalty appeal, a few other things that could have you know easily. Not to mention saves that Tim Howard made and 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 other kinds of things that you know it could have been much much worse. But um, but anyway, I just I just don't get the point of this. I just don't understand what the you know I I don't know if it's just sort of situation where this opportunity came up to play Spain and the USA just said, well, hey, we got to play Spain, let's just take it, and they took it without really you know intending to 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 for it to be a competitive match. But I still I still just sit this and I'm like I just don't get it. I just don't get the point of it. I was I was basically bored, and I didn't really care about the result. Because, A, when I saw our lineup, I'm like, we're not even playing, you know, our, our, our real lineup. What's the point of this? You know, we're going to get beaten really badly. And, of course, we did, you know, because Spain obviously played, they played their full lineup. And so I, I just didn't even, you know, I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Um, doesn't make any sense to me, but uh, I don't know if it's just to sell tickets at the, you know, because they did have like 68,000 or something there, so it was a pretty good 
pretty good sellout. So, anyway, uh, that's enough about that. Uh, let's talk about the Euro 2012 qualifier, England versus Switzerland. This was uh, at Wembley in England, and uh, kind of a crazy game. Uh, England start with several guilted chances uh, so early on that I, this just felt like it was going to be a cakewalk for England. I mean, they were, you know. I think about four minutes in, they'd already had like three chances on goal, and it just looked like, and they were just like waltzing into the box, and you know, and you just thought, wow, they're going to run away with this, and it just kind of felt like that. And then all of a sudden, out of nothing, two free kicks for Switzerland, and they're two goals ahead, just boop, like that. And uh, the first was a free kick that just basically curled through the entire box. It was actually quite a ways away, and uh, kind of one of those balls that's just curling, you know, into the box, and you just you know, three or four people leaping to head it away or, or in, and you just think, you know, obviously somebody's going to head it, and then nobody headed it, and by the time Joe Hart saw it, it was back behind him and in the goal. And so then uh, um, just like literally, I think just a moment later, just a minute or so later, um, just they get a, uh, um, a, a, a clever free kick. It was deep on the wing, and they put it's the same kicker, I can't remember who it was, for, for, for Switzerland. But he, he basically put it, he, he split the two-man wall, put it right between the two-man wall. I can't remember who it was, but he was, he was, uh, I know it was Milner or somebody like that, was, 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 got out of position in the wall. And they beat Hart at his near post. And uh, to be fair for Hart, I mean, he was expecting the wall to protect that side. So that's the whole point of the wall. But when the wall splits and the ball gets between him, you know, so, but then you're thinking, I'm thinking, crazy, you know, England's two goals ahead. And it was literally seconds after that, in basically their first attack after going down, uh, England counter, Wilshire, uh, Wilshire's trapped in the box, and Lampert converts the penalty uh, to bring one back. And then Ashley Young comes on in the second half, and just five minutes later, he scores a low drive to the far post. And then England pretty much dominated after that. Uh, they had a chance by Bent blocked, and then a moment later Bent missed uh, an empty net uh, on the rebound of a young shot. Young, uh, the keeper, keeper parried it, and it went right to Bent, open goal, and he just skied it. You know, really frustrating. And um, then Switzerland, uh, they had a shot that went just wide in stoppage time. I think that was probably their best thing um, after England equalized. And then uh, England should have gotten it. They had an incredible chance for downing uh, in the final seconds, and uh, the ball basically bounced out to that to that right wing, um, you know, open there. And uh, the, to be fair, it was hard to see exactly if he could have actually scored. There were some defenders in the box and the keeper in the in the goal, uh, but he basically hit it side he hit side netting, and it was pretty much the last kick of the game. They blew the whistle right after that. So if he had actually put it on frame, who knows what could have happened? You know, he could have could have been the hero and and uh, gotten a three two win. And otherwise. And it, it finished England two, Switzerland two, and uh, pretty shocking result, uh, really, for England. You know, so I did not think that they uh, played that impressively, um, considering who they were playing against and everything. I thought Switzerland did pretty good, you know, considering. But uh, I think a lot of questions about England. So interesting, but they had no Wayne Rooney. Uh, he was out suspended for yellow card accumulation, and you know some other things like that. So, uh, but still, still, they should have. Should have done a lot better. And this wasn't like a, a Switzerland side that sat back for a nil-nil. I mean, they were actually attacking a lot, which was surprising. So you'd think that with them coming out like that, you know, England England had a ton of chances. They just couldn't finish and, and uh, you know. 
Well, let's talk Major League Soccer, a bunch of games this past week. So we'll begin with some of the midweek ones. Uh, Chivas Vancouver. Vancouver had the best chance in the first half in their first match under new coach Tom Sohn. Uh, when Hasley got into the box, uh, cut it back to his left, and then curled one off the crossbar. But uh, after the break, Chivas scored practically off the kickoff. Labroca charging forward up the middle, knocking in a grounder from way out beyond the D. Uh, but it only takes the Whitecaps three minutes to equalize as they get into the box and have a shot block that comes over to Camillo, who curls it into the top corner. After that, things spread out, and there are good chances for both sides. But then just outside the Chivas box, after Hasley loses possession, he goes in for a crazy studs-up tackle right in front of the referee, who whips out the red card. Yikes, that's his third red of the season. He's got a bucket full of yellows, I think five yellows or something. Um, so this Hasley, I mean, he's just, you know, he, he's just a disaster. I, I'm not, I think he, I think he's become more of a liability than an asset. Um, he, he scored some goals, but, you know, what good does this do if he's, you know, getting red cards all the time? Not only, you know, does that mean he, he can't, he's unavailable for, fu- you know, for future matches each time, so he's missing matches. You know, so then he's no good to you. But he's also putting you down, you know, in those matches where he gets a red card, and you're not getting results in those matches because of the red card. So I think he's really hurting the team. I, I not a big fan, not a big fan. So, uh, and this particular tackle, I mean, he was going after Zamansky's uh, uh, planted foot, uh, which c- it could have been a disaster because you know when you have a foot planted and and you get tackled on it, I mean it's it's a broken leg. Uh, but lucky for Zemanski, he leaped out of the way just in time to avoid the actual contact. And uh, you know, and after the after the red card, the field really tilted in favor of Chivas, who just dominated in the Whitecaps box, but uh, don't they, they couldn't actually score. In the 84th, Chivas has a huge chance when Braun gets behind, but Joe Cannon makes a great save, and the follow-up is cleared uh, off the line by Jay Demerit. A few minutes later, Cannon makes a tip-over save on a long shot by Braun. Uh, Vancouver can barely get their ball out of their half through stoppage time, but uh, do enough to keep Chivas out for the big road point, and uh, it's actually a pretty good point for Vancouver. Chivas won, Vancouver won. Then we had uh, Friday night's uh, LADC matchup. This is sort of the... Uh, match of the mentor versus his teacher in, in Ben Olson, the coach of D.C., versus his mentor, uh, um, um, Bruce Arena. The brain, brain freeze there. <laughs> um, this sh- game, sh- really, I thought the biggest thing about this was it really showed how different the team is for L.A. without Landon. Uh, the first half was rather blah, with D.C. playing well enough to keep L.A. out, but in the second half, they really dominated uh, finding lots of holes in the L.A. defense and should have scored at least two goals, but they just couldn't finish. Uh, when Charlie Davis broke away, rounded the keeper, he had plenty of time but didn't realize it, rushed his shot, putting it wide. In another opportunity Josh, for Josh Wolf, he was too slow to react in the box, and he finally got off his shot. It was side netting. Nahar had a shot saved by Saunders. Uh, at the other end, L.A. did look dangerous, especially when Beckham put in his crosses, but uh, D.C.'s defense was uh, pretty solid, and they ride the big road point uh uh, big road win uh, in Portland to a big road point in L.A. So who'd have thought they'd come out with the four points out of those two games, you know? So uh, so this one, L.A. nil, D.C. nil. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Toronto, Kansas City, uh, much ado about nothing. Uh, better defensively by TFC, you know, after their six-goal outing against uh, Philly last weekend. So, uh they definitely tightened up the defense, but uh, neither team was really too impressive, and both actually seemed pretty happy with the with the point. So, uh, fortunately, this is Kansas City's last road game. Uh, they open at their new stadium next week, so uh, 
Another nil-nil, Toronto, uh, nil KC, nil. So, uh, Dallas versus New England. Dallas on the first half being quite dangerous, but the Revs do just enough to keep them out. At the other end, Hartman only had to make one save. No change after the break is knowing they can't get out of their half. It seems they might be able to hold on, but in the 69th, Chavez comes up the right wing, breaks in the box, passes the defender, and slams it past Reese from along the goal line uh, for the impressive lead. Late on, the uh, Revs managed to get a series of corner kicks as they pressed for the equalizer, but couldn't do anything with them, so couldn't score. So Dallas wins this one. Dallas won uh, New England nil, and I think they said it was 97 degrees in Dallas for this one. Ouch. Uh, RSL Vancouver. Vancouver just barely stay alive in the first half and finally concede when Alexander beats the offside trap, almost loses the ball to his de- defender, uh, but gets it by him and then he dinks it uh, past the keeper. Uh, Cannon is required to make a number of key saves, and that continues in the second half when he parries a top corner shot. Then in the 79th, Spindola is sprung in 1v1. He slots it in the lower right corner, and it doesn't look like there's any way back for the woeful Whitecaps playing without suspended Hasley. Uh, they do get the ball in the box via free kick and a uh, solid header on goal, but Romando, Romando makes a terrific save, uh, pretty much his only work all match. He has to work again uh, to tip over a rocket from long range in the 85th. Uh, RSL actually defend throughout stoppage time, but comfortably hold on, really. So uh, RSL 2, Vancouver nil. They had the big Chivas-Portland match. Portland still trying to get their first road win. Uh, both teams were sloppy in the first half, spurning chances with Portland giving the ball away too much, and Chivas fouling a lot. I think they had three yellows for them in the first half. Uh, Chivas were the more dangerous, forcing three critical saves out of Troy Perkins. One of them was amazing. Uh, but towards the end of the half, uh, Portland had a few chances, including a nice break by Chara with a nifty through ball for Palaza, but unfortunately the cross just missed Cooper in the box. In first half stoppage, Chivas should have gone ahead when Justin Braun was left wide open in the six-yard line with a perfect cross onto his head, and he somehow hit, this, hit the header wide. Wow, huge miss. Uh, after a little bit of early Chivas possession, the second half was taken over by Portland, who pressured and created several excellent scoring chances. The best, a terrific shot from the edge of the box by Jewsbury that Kennedy had to tip over the bar. But then an hour in, there's a defensive breakdown from Portland as Labroco breaks through right up the center for Chivas. Uh, but Perkins is huge in goal, blocks the shot, and the danger is cleared. Portland have chances at the other end, but nothing too dangerous. And then Chivas counter in the 70th with Nagamore getting up the right wing, curling in across to the back post where Mondani... Uh, Mondaini, uh, back from his four-game suspension, uh, taps in the go-ahead goal. Immediately, Portland tried to come back with a great chance above the D as Dewsbury's low shot is palmed away by Kennedy. Kennedy was my man of the match for Chivas. Um, he was he, he definitely kept them in this one. Uh, then Chara had a beautiful ball in the box for Eddie Johnson, but his shot was crucially uh, blocked out for a corner kick. With five to go, Dewsbury puts a long-range free kick that nearly gets by Kennedy, but he just gets his fingertips to it before Horse can head it in. Timbers get stretched out in the final minutes as they push forward, but Chivas just want to waste time, not score, and Portland can't find that final pass and can't get that first road win, so they drop another one. So Chivas won Portland nil. I will say that um, I wasn't that disappointed in this one. I thought, you know, it's disappointing that, that Portland loses games like this that they shouldn't, they should be able to get a result from because this was definitely one that they they could have gotten a result from. But uh, I think, you know, as the team gets better they will start getting results from games like this. But right now, I don't think that they played that badly, and uh, it's a lot closer. You know, Portland easily could have won this one, could have easily won this one. Um, I'm not saying they deserve to win it, but they certainly, you know, they created some chances. It wasn't like, you know, they didn't create any chances and and, uh, 
and and really played badly. You know, they didn't play that badly. It was it was just you know one one defensive mistake really is what cost them. And uh, you know that's concentration and a number of other things. So uh, you know we'll see what happens. But uh, let's see, San Jose, Houston, uh, fairly even first half with good chances for both. Uh, San Jose had more opportunities, but then Houston's were more dangerous, forcing some good saves out of Bush. The second half things spread out and were more end to end. Um, or even even more end-to-end, but uh, neither side could break through. It appeared the makeshift lineups for each team employee wasn't going to be enough to do it. Then about halfway through the period, uh, San Jose sprung Stephen Lenhart. He was a half-step offside when the ball was played, but the flag didn't go up. It was really tight, uh, but he was off. But uh, he anyway, he got into the box to uh, lay a diving header into the corner for the lead. That inspired Houston, who attacked and nearly scored on several occasions, but uh, last-ditch defending and good goalkeeping kept the clean sheet as Bush made a dramatic save in the first seconds of first few seconds of stoppage time. A moment later, Simon Dawkins, Dawkins started a play for San Jose in the midfield, feeding Convy. I think it was Convy. Uh, Lenhart was alone up top. He seemed the obvious play with the defenders crowding toward him in anticipation. But Dawkins continued his run up the middle, and Convy sprang him. And then 1v1, Dawkins finished off the game by rounding Tally Hall, and that's all she wrote. So uh, San Jose 2, Portland nil. I mean, sorry, Houston nil uh, looks a little more lopsided than it really was because uh, Houston actually played pretty good and were in this for most of it and uh, really could have. I mean, they definitely had a lot of scoring, you know, scoring chances and and um, you know, basically um, San Jose had to do a lot of saves to to keep keep Houston out. So, um, but it was just you know that offside call that they didn't get and then. Uh, you know, last basically as they're pushing forward at the end, trying to get that equalizer, get stung on a counter, and uh, uh, very nicely done. You know, but if if they hadn't been, if it hadn't been 1-0 at that point, would Houston have been playing like that? You know, so uh, I didn't actually see the Chicago-Seattle game, but I heard it was nil-nil, so nothing to lose there. Uh, New York-Columbus. New York get off to a great start with Bellucci curling a ball toward goal that uh, Hesmer has to one-hand out. It's a warning for the crew don't listen to because uh, a little while later, Rogers gets the ball on the wing, finds Bellucci at the edge of the box. He slips it past Hesmer for the lead. Columbus try to get back in with a bicycle kick from Julius James, a defender, off of poor header clearance, but it's just wide. Uh, both teams create danger, but we get into the second half uh, with no change to the scoreline. Gavin nearly scores from about the halfway line with a long chip that nearly beats Sutton, who has to tip it over. Uh, Cunningham gets a header on frame, but he's offside. In about the 70th, New York squander a great opportunity for a goal, but there's no one to knock it, uh, knock in the ball that's played right across the face of the goal, empty goal, and nobody there. Uh, but though the crew have a few more looks, they can't get, uh, can't do anything with them, and then New York, uh, hold on for the slim victory. Oh wait! They don't! With less than 30 seconds of stoppage time left, New York was too far forward. They get stung on the counter as the crew get the ball up the left wing, beats the defender, gets the cross into the middle where Balcon, um, knocks it into the corner for the late equalizer, and wow, that's just got a sting. That's New York's fourth draw in a row. Stoppage time, literally last few seconds of the game, and uh, Columbus tie it up. So New York won, Columbus won, and uh, New York's just kicking themselves. But I, you know, I was actually glad to see that because I just hate a team when when teams 1-0 lead and they just keep spurning all these chances, and then it's like you're gonna get stung, you're gonna get stung. You know, you, you think you you think a 1-0 lead's good enough, and it's not. 
You know, so I like to see that. Uh, Colorado, Philly. Philly are the more aggressive early in this one, uh, making Pickens work several times in the first half, including a nice save off of a Latou free kick. Rapids get some uh, chances late in the half. Uh, after the break, things are pretty even. Though Philly seem to be, still seem to be more aggressive, but the Rapids get into the box and uh, panic defending rolls, results in a shoulder pull down to Mastroeni. The ref awards the penalty. Connor Casey takes it and just cheekily chips it right up the middle. Just a little soft little lob as Mondragon jumps out of the way, uh, helpless to get back, and they score. Uh, but the lead only lasts minutes as uh, Sub uh, Mwanga gets some space above the box. He turns and blasts it past Pickens. Both teams try but can't break the deadline as the Rapids waste stoppage time uh, corner kick chance, the last kick of the game, by hitting the ball over the entire box and out. Stupid, stupid. I hate that. Uh, but that's their sixth tie in a row for the uh, Colorado Rapids, and they're tying an MLS record. So if they tie Portland uh, on Saturday, uh, next Saturday, um, that would be a, uh, a new record. So they are just tied the record right now. So uh, kind of hope for a draw. No, just kidding. I hope for the Portland win. A draw would be okay. You know, I'd like a Portland win. would be much better, obviously. Um, but, uh, probably, you know, certainly we don't want Portland to lose. We don't want that. So, uh, unless you're a Colorado fan, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm actually going to go to that game. So next Saturday night. So I've got tickets for that one. So that's going to be fun. So we'll see. See how that goes. Hopefully, uh, they can get another win at home. So get back on the winning streak. So, uh, that's it for this week's, uh, stuff. I, you know, I covered everything, I think. So, uh, as always, uh, I'd say we'll be back uh, next week on the 13th, I think, Monday the 13th. So uh, marketsoccertalkusa.com is the email address, and uh, voicemail is 206-339-8359 if you want to uh, drop me a line. All right, we'll uh, talk to you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>